0: Welcome everyone to the Serious Leisure podcast. My name is Petia Petrova. I'm your host for today's podcast. I'm joined by our regular podcast contributors, Dr. Sam Elkington and Cat Branch. Sam is from Teesside University. He's our Serious Leisure expert. Welcome, Sam.
1: Hi, Petia. Nice to be back. Thank you very much.
0: It's nice to have you back, Sam. Um, Kat leads uh, the University of the West of England Centre for Music. Welcome Kat.
2: Hello, Fetia. Great to be back again.
0: Great to see you too. Um, fresh and well. Um, we often refer to the University of the West of England as UE. Um, if you hear that sound later on, that's what we, uh, we talk about. In this podcast, we share stories about lao leisure pursuits, our passions, our hobbies, and our interests. We reflect on our attempts to successfully, or not, balance work and leisure time. And we draw insights from the serious leisure perspective um, and the vast literature um, on that topic. This is the first episode for our season three of the podcast. Um, We're recording this in January, 2022. Um, You can find uh, past episodes on our original series on the SoundCloud app, if you want to check these out. This is an interesting time to start our season three. Um, We often found ourselves starting our seasons at the start of yet another lockdown um, or at at an interesting time for all of us experiencing in wider society. At the moment, we're also at the point where people might make um, New Year's resolutions or think about how their last year has been. So before we delve into the podcast, I think as a way of introducing ourselves um, as podcast um, contributors to, to our audience, I would just ask Kat and Sam to tell us about how their December has been. How are they finding coming back to work? And how their the place of leisure has in their lives has changed, morphed. What does leisure mean to you? What are your hobbies? etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Kat, you had an interesting December. Can tell yes. us a little bit about it. Yeah, it was
2: it was very difficult. Um because I uh, caught COVID like many people will have done. But I have to say, I naively thought, ah, oh, it'll be a couple of weeks of flu and then we'll be back in. It was a very busy time for us at the Centre for Music. Christmas for all musicians is a special kind of hell. And um, and I'd expected to be doing the rounds of carol services and Christmas concerts and events that, that we deliver and that I also do outside of work. But in fact, what happened was I, um, I experienced a, a really extreme exhaustion and found that even going upstairs to take a bath was beyond me on on many days. So it completely slowed me down. And I I think I resisted this for two or three weeks, thinking, "Uh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine in a minute. Um, And then somewhere in week four, started to accept that that wasn't what was going to happen. And I actually just need to change my mental attitude because in fact, I was creating more mental exhaustion by the continual disappointment and surprise and frustration. A ridiculous waste of my energy. And so, whilst I'm really pleased to say I'm um, starting to function a lot better now, it's definitely repositioned my priorities because I've had to choose what I'm going to spend the spoons in a drawer on. And if you don't know what I mean by spoons in a drawer, this is a common way of measuring energy, as an analogy, which you might have heard about. And so, the amount of spoons in my drawer is now considerably less, which means I have to be really judicious about what I spend it on. Um, and I found that taking activities, Taking time for activities that really will recharge me is is absolutely essential. Now, um, in the middle of last year, I went through um, Catch 5K and got into running, and I'm not a sporty person, so I'm so looking forward to hearing what Laura has to say a bit later in the podcast about that journey. But I must admit, it was really disappointing to have it interrupted by this exhaustion, and so now I've had to set myself a goal of, you know, first it was getting to walk. Up my own stairs (laughs) without having to include my hands in that process. That was the goal. Um, I'm now at the stage where I can walk to my local shop. So that's exciting. But in fact, trying to reframe my thinking about that experience has has made it less depressing. Um, It's about trying to accept it, I think, and measuring the little steps. And, and then rediscovering joy in other things, um, whether that has just been reading books that have sat on my bedside table with me thinking, yeah, I'm totally going to read that fantastic feminist discussion that I really want to read. I've actually started reading it. Um, some nice trashy fiction that I really enjoy, but always feel like, oh, don't waste your time on trashy fiction. You should be doing something more wholesome and more about personal growth. And um, being so unwell has made me think, stop it, I'm reading the trashy fiction. I've really enjoyed that. It's It's been lovely. To be honest, the thing that I've neglected over this time has been music because it's so deeply uh, associated with work for me, even though, you know, the the focus of my work is about creating music for leisure purposes for everybody. But for myself, it sits firmly in this workplace. And so I've sort of abandoned it completely um, for this period. And that is one thing that I now want to change. Uh, the thing with music is, if you don't do it, you start to lose contact with the skill set, actually. So, I want to start bringing it back in, but in a way that is to use uh, the kind of language that Sam will often say for it to feel non coerced. So, I'm going to choose some light pieces of music that I enjoy playing, and I'm going to have a go at those. I'm going to take some time to do a little bit of singing where breathing will allow. And I'm just going to do that for my enjoyment. I think that is going to be a healthy way forward for me. So, that's where we are going gently into January 2022, and uh, really relieved to be able to rejoin you here on the podcast after several weeks off. So Sam, how's your December been?
1: Yeah, no, Kat, I empathise completely, and it is great to see you back. I know how poorly you were. So uh, yeah, so my October through to December was, was um, interrupted by COVID. Um, and it did take me, similar to you, I mean, I, I had probably eight weeks where I wasn't myself at all. Well, for the first six weeks, I wasn't anything at all. I was pretty poorly with it. Um, but again, I'm, I'm quite an active person. I like to keep fit. Um, and that was just not an option to me. So you, you like take that one of the big kind of things out of my daily routine, which is purely for me um, and for no other reason other to, than to, you know, reset my kind of per, my subjective well-being and my, my internal equil- equilibrium, if you like. Uh, to not have that, in the absence of that, there was nothing else other than work, really, and work that I was having to catch up on. Uh, so my my kind of whole semester one became condensed in seven weeks. Um, so by the time I – and I actually had it for the first time in forever, I had an extended break over Christmas. I'd already planned this uh, pre-COVID, uh, BC, before COVID. Um, and it was – it was much. I didn't realize how much I needed it until about halfway through. I don't know if anybody finds this. it. T- it normally takes me about a week to ten days to completely kind of turn my brain off because um, I'm I am very analytical. I'm I'm all in. I think everybody's in the same boat here. I think everybody, all the listeners are probably be in the same boat as well. And it normally takes me about ten days. And this is why having a week off doesn't help me at all. Because by the time I come back to work, I'm only just starting to settle down um but halfway through this we were away we went away we went to um we did, went to do lots of uh, outdoor activities with the kids I actually picked up archery for the first time in, in a long time now this is something that we haven't spoken about before but I do have a history with archery uh my my grandparents used to own a pub when I grew up and it, and that's a history and that's a story we can get into another time but it was one of the most awesome things to have as a child is to have your own pub grounds to turn around in and but they used to run archery competitions believe it or not at this pub country pub and from a very, very early age i was really really into it and used to have we had a long garden very lucky to have a long garden at home and used to do archery at home so i've picked this picked this up with the kids over the um one of my oldest particularly who's, who's now 10 uh, and strong enough to hold a bow um and we we did it and we both absolutely loved it and we're now exploring options to continue doing it in our and and the, of course, what's interesting there? It would be a shared activity, which I'm all for sharing my my the the you know the after work activities with with our kids. whether that be football or whatever? Um, but it was something very much that it was a reconnecting uh, with something that I'd previously knew I had an interest in. Um, so that's that was quite a interesting kind of journey to go on over over the Christmas period. Is reconnecting with something I had done um, quite a long time ago. But really, for me, it was all about family time. It was downtime. It was, you know, everybody, the whole family had COVID in October. So it gave everybody an opportunity just to reset. And re- And it, for me, COVID, like, like you, Kat, it was, a, it was a refocusing exercise. It was, a okay, well, you know, what really does matter most here? You know, I can't do it all. And I, we, I went through a similar kind of process. Uh, and actually, I feel quite at peace with, you know, I've, I've actually spent most of the last night and this morning just going, right, what matters most to me in the next six months? You know, planning my time and prioritizing me first and, and COVID will do that to you, I think. You know, that's my, I certainly share that with you. So yeah, Christmas, um, December was that. It was, and then you're coming back and I do sense a slightly different view or worldview as a consequence of that and you know that so that what matters most kind of question you know uh, I also um was reminded of a book that I read about uh, sports performance bear with me uh and it, the book's called will it make the boat go faster and it's really interesting because it's 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 all about okay well if you want to perform at your your the, the best level at your height you know you'll perform your best whatever that might be What are the things that you're doing, and will it make the boat go faster? And by that is, will it help in that overall goal of doing whatever it is you want to do? And and you know, do you actually have a sense of what that goal or those goals are? And I think we get so bogged down in our day-to-day routines and competing, you know, tensions of this, that, and the other, and typically, you know, work is probably 85% of that that we don't really spend any time thinking about whether it's making the boat go faster. The boat, of course, is ourselves. So I think that's that. That was Something that really hit me over the over the festive break, something i've certainly heading into twenty twenty two with a kind of bolstered sense of like okay, whatever i'm doing, will it make the boat go faster and and like I say, the boat being myself and my my own well being um, so yeah i can, I think me and Kat have had a uh similar but obviously different experience, but it's certainly similar in terms of that re- that realization um, but so certainly looking forward to twenty twenty two doing more of this. Uh, for those that have listened before, and though all those even those that haven't, this is for, for us as the organizers become quite therapeutic actually, in terms of talking about leisure collectively, but also hearing other people's stories and realizing actually we're all experiencing similar things um, and stealing little bits from people in terms of those life hacks that people have managed to work out for themselves. So, very much looking forward to what 22 has to bring and hopefully covid free for most of it
0: thanks sam thanks Kat. um i i dare not say that i've avoided covid so far because the moment you say you've avoided it (laughs) you're just tempting faith um but i had an interesting december where you were using the metaphor of a boat i felt like my boat was stuck in one place and spinning around (laughs) <laughs> and um, um I've been reading a lot a lot around burnout but I very much felt cognitively overloaded like my brain could no longer process an information and I wouldn't even be able to read a, a book in the evening I'm okay with audiobooks, but I just couldn't couldn't focus um and then I had like seven extended break uh, and much of that break was um spent not being ill with COVID but kind of having headaches and migraines and I know lots of lots of people sometimes the moment you go go on a break on holiday the first thing you do is fall ill um, with a cold or something Um, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about how I decompress and particularly um, on days when I'm working from home the fact that I would finish work and then I might go on Twitter And then I might read a book or then I might watch uh, a movie or a TV series. And at no space, at no time, have I given my brain time and space to rest. Um, So I've been doing a lot of thinking around decompressing. Um, And my hobby is great. So I've been continuing with my improv theatre work Um, for those of you who've listened all the way back to our episode two, when I talked about it, and I was saying I was just taking classes, so I'm now part of an improv group, and we had our first performances in October, and November, and that's great, and that's a lot of fun. Um, but um, that is not that is also cognitively ca- quite taxing. So it's releasing in one way, but also taxing taxing in another day in another way. Um, and now I'm just experimenting with things like. know short meditations before going to bed and take taking frequent breaks and experimenting with the pomodoro method etc to just make sure that i don't feel like i'm spinning in circles again um and uh, to manage you know the pressures of work uh better so this is where you find us as um podcast contributors um But importantly, today we have uh, two guests uh, here with us um, to talk about their leisure, their leisure interests, their leisure pursuits, and also how they approach being serious about leisure. In previous seasons and previous episodes, we have had some um, really inspirational or awe-inspiring guests who've taken their, their, their hobbies and interests into a nearly professional or profession, professional domain. But being serious about, about leisure doesn't mean becoming a professional or the best um, swimmer or, or runner, etc. It can also just mean being serious about making time for leisure. And I'm really excited to have here today with us um, Laura Quick, Um, who is Senior Lecturer in Occupational Therapy at our um, New School of Health and Social Wellbeing, um, who is going to talk to us about her journey um, from couch to 5K. Welcome, Laura.
3: Hi, Petia. Thank you for that lovely introduction.
0: Thanks, Laura. And we also have today with us um, Emma Wingate, um, Emma is a se- Senior Wellbeing Practitioner at our UE Wellbeing Service. Um, welcome, Emma. Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, before, um, and Emma is going to talk to us about how she approaches leisure in, um, in her time and how she's serious in her approach to taking time for leisure, which I'm really excited to hear more about, um, as well as Laura's couched 5K story, because I have been pondering about doing something like that and I haven't quite gotten off the couch. But before we delve into that, I'm really curious to find out a little bit about Laura and Emma's professional roles um, and what these roles involve. Um, I think. There are some interesting insights in terms of your professional backgrounds that would enrich our conversation even further uh, today. So, uh, Laura, could you just tell us what your role is and what your day job involves, please?
3: Well, yes. um, So I'm an occupational therapist, first and foremost, and I was working in the NHS until March of uh, 2020. Uh, one. Yes, I was forgetting what year we're in. Um, And uh, so I've been at UE for nine months um, and I specialised in mental health and complex case um, work. Uh, So I was, um, had a specific interest around um, sensory processing and supporting people with complex diagnosis. So something like Huntington's and dementia and trying to understand their world and understand how Um, they understood their world and how we could enable them to engage in the things that were important to them. So we use uh, as part of our intervention strategies, we use occupation. So we use leisure um, roles and and previous occupations and and, a new occupation, exploring new things as people go through major life changes due to their health um, and support them into becoming engaged back in the world that they want to be engaged in so it's a very positive profession um, and it's a very uh, moving forward profession so having done 22 years in the NHS I was very keen that I read the help support the next breed of OTs to come in to the NHS who are desperately needed due to COVID and the experiences that Kat and Sam have had around long COVID and fatigue and things There's a huge need now for occupational therapists and physios to to support that rehabilitation process for people. Um, So, so yeah, so that's where I come from. And and that's why I approach maybe the Couch to 5K maybe a different way than others would do.
0: Thank you, Laura. Um, I can't wait to hear more about it. Um, Emma was uh, one of our guests who approached us and kind of volunteered herself um, to to be a guest. I'm afraid I volunteered Laura. (laughs) So... <laughs> um, but I, I'm always very curious about um, when when people why why um, Emma volunteered um, to to be a guest in um, in this podcast, and I have a uh, suspicion that it also has something to do with Emma's day job. So Emma, can you please tell us about your day job, please?
4: Yes of course so um, I am a senior wellbeing practitioner at UWE. I am one of the counsellors that works within the wellbeing team um, we have a fabulous mixed interdisciplinary team um, so we've got a team of counsellors, we've got a team of mental health practitioners who come from a variety of backgrounds including things like occupational therapy and social work um, and also a specialist drug and alcohol practitioner. Um, so yeah I provide one-to-one counselling to students while they're at UE um, to try and support them so that they can do what they've come to UE to do and get their degree and do that in the best way that they can. Um,
0: yeah. Thanks, Emma. Um, when you approached me about um, t- talking to us on this podcast, you mentioned the word practice what I preach. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about that?
4: Yes, of course. So, um, within the UE Wellbeing Service, we use a solution-focused approach, um, which as a vast oversimplification basically means that we try to focus on the things that help rather than the things that hinder. So, I'm often talking to students about the things that really matter to them. And as Sam was saying earlier, that stuff that really matters to people the stuff that makes your boat go faster um and I loved Kat's analogy of the energy and spoons in a drawer as well um, I usually talk to students about it as like the energy bar in a computer game <laughs> um, but hopefully it's a similar similar idea so I'm al- always talking to my clients about you know what are the things that recharge you and um, what are the things that you do that make you feel good in your body um you know Because university is a stressful time of life and it should be because being in education is challenging and it should be stressful in a positive way. Um, But part of what I'm sort of picking up over the years that I've been working as a counsellor in higher education is that there's a real focus for everybody who comes into it with, you know, I must get this particular thing at the end of it. You know, I have to get a 2-1 or I have to get this particular Um, grade so that I can then go on and be successful in the career that comes afterwards Um, and I just think in our society and our culture generally there's so much focus on outcome and goals and measurement and like is what you're doing getting you closer towards that goal that we've completely neglected that idea of um, actually time doesn't always have to be used efficiently and sometimes the most efficient way to get somewhere is to kind of take a roundabout route Um, I think it was one of the things that came up in your really early podcasts and actually for me and my connection with this podcast I started at UE in September 2020 so we were fully remote I wasn't able to go in and be with my colleagues physically um so I was just getting to know my team and I was getting to know the organization completely online um and this podcast was one of the things that I found that helped me kind of build that sense of connection to Yui and and I was so delighted in the early part of the podcast to hear the kind of conversations that that you've got you've had today um to introduce yourselves as well I feel like we've the podcast has come back to the place where it started from <laughs> of you know uh, rather than focusing solely on on mastery and people who are doing their serious leisure pursuits in a very uh, in a very advanced way um, i'm I'm kind of here because I want to be like the anti-perfectionist <laughs> um, let can we be beginners can we um, you know do what's possible a bit like both cat and Sam were saying actually you know if you do if you have a serious illness or, um, or if there's other kind of stressful things going on in life as well it's sometimes it's about still being serious about your leisure in making time for it um, without having to um, Petty sort of summarised it earlier um, when she said that idea of being serious about leisure rather than having a serious leisure pursuit, because sometimes it's about what is possible rather than big, high achievements.
0: Thanks, Emma. Sam, would you want to come in?
1: Yeah, no, I just want to follow up on that. and I think that's a really important distinction to make. If we come back to you know, the word serious um, and the connotations that brings, obviously, uh, drums up all kinds of it, it can have, and I'm sure Emma, um, or actually both Laura and Emma, in both of your lines of work, you know, you're having conversations, a dialogue there where things are very serious. You know, there are serious conditions or consequences or, or um, challenges that uh, individuals face. Um, but actually, the, the, the meaning of the word serious in the context of leisure, as we're, as we're talking about it here, is, is that really that earnestness, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a commitment, it's an attitude. Uh, towards leisure, as opposed to being that, you know, what serious would, if we were to talk about serious academia, for example, you know, academia would have a very different connotation of the word serious, wouldn't it? So, you know, I think that disconnect and that, um, you know, disaggregation with, you know, the, the, the personal, or sorry, the professional mastery, and then the serious connotations of that. Are you serious about your job role? Well, yeah, I am. But, you know, taking leisure seriously as we've just discussed, and as Emma, as you've just outlined there, I think is, it has a different connotation. It's that earnestness, it's that doing things for the sake of doing it to the best of our ability. And that ability might well be as a novice, but it's because of what the benefits that it's deri- it derives for us personally. So, yeah, wonderful distinction.
4: Yeah, I think in a therapeutic um, context, we would usually talk about that idea of being inten- intentionality. Or at least that's how I would say as well, you know, being intentional about what you spend your energy on, being intentional about what you include in your life.
0: Thanks, Emma. Which brings us nicely to Laura's story about intentionally getting off the couch, <laughs> segue, um, intentionally getting off the couch and trying to uh, run 5K as a novice and maybe working within what's possible, I would assume, I'm really looking forward to hearing this. Sorry, Laura.
3: Absolutely, you're petty. Working within what's possible is very important when you turn 50. Um, so, so that's what happened to me. Is I turned 50. Um, I had teenage children and I was considering applying for full-time work, having worked part-time for a lot of years. And um And I was thinking, I can't do this. How am I going to have the energy to work full time? How am I going to get myself fitter? What am I going to do to support this? So um, in 2019, I started my journey, May 2019, of of Couch to 5K and decided this could be a good option. I had been a gym member, but it was a private gym with a personal trainer because I needed to do lots of rehab post-babies. And, um, and she left and went off abroad and abandoned me. So I tried an, an ordinary gym down the road, um, but they were far too noisy. I'm very sensory sensitive and I couldn't cope in that environment. Um, so I thought, oh, this isn't going to work. Uh, but I like the free weights and I like that kind of sensation of moving. So I thought, what can I do? And then my sister's a very keen runner. Friends are keen runners. I thought, oh, I could try running, but it's the last Thing I would choose to do, um, but it's cheap and it's easy and it's outside the front door. Um, so I thought, okay, let's try this. I went running with my teenage daughter. That was my first big mistake. She ran me into the ground, and the next day I had to do a working from home because I couldn't physically move. <laughs> it's no good laughing at me, Sam. I couldn't move. I was so bad, much to my kid's amusement. I um, I then broke my foot kicking the bottom of the swimming pool, teaching my kids how to do um, <laughs> synchronised swimming. Um, so that put me out for about six months. Um, and then I decided, you know, I was going to do this. I was going to get back in to, to doing this over the, over the winter. Um, and, uh, and I started to do my couch to 5K. And I thought, if I start before Christmas, then I won't put all the weight on over Christmas. And if I can do it through the winter, then I can do it. So I started very gradually. Week two is, pardon my language, it's really hard. And it was so dreadful. I never wanted to go back there, so I had to keep going. And, and I was doing, and by week five, I got it. I But it took me seven weeks to get to week five because I just keep repeating or walking a bit and then doing it. Um and I and I suddenly found myself wanting to go out, even when it was raining. I needed to run, which was a very strange, surreal experience. Still was really hard work for the first 10 minutes until my, my lungs finally gave in and I could breathe. And then um, I was doing really well, but I had this bit of a tight calf muscle, was taking a bit of care with it. Um, And then I um, went to a friend's wedding and pogoed the night away in flats because I was looking after my calf muscle, completely tore my calf muscle because normally I dance in heels. (laughs) So I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted. And then we went into lockdown. Um,
0: Sorry, Laura. Before you continue, for our audience, there was a big cringe for all oh, the faces I currently <laughs> see on Zoom. It's like you did what? Out? <laughs> oh no, that sounds
3: horrid. It, it was. It was quite painful. It has to be said. Um, more emotionally, um, struggle as well. Having finally kind of conquered the feel of getting out and doing exercise, so I really feel regret about that. Not being able to get out and do it. Um, and then uh, and, and I saw a very nice physio who gave me lots of um, TLC and exercises and basically had to rest it and start to do these specific exercises to stretch it out. And I hadn't been doing the right exercises after running, so I hadn't been doing the right cool down. So that's what had caused it. And the, the dancing was just the final straw. Um, so then in the August 2020 I decided that I needed to get fit Um, I was looking for full-time work I needed to get fit and I did start running again with my teenage daughter but I also went with my neighbor who's similar um, fitness and age as me and we would plod along and my daughter would run off ahead of us (laughs) and then join us back at home Um, and, uh, and we just plodded through from August 2020 to March 2021. So I finally did my first 5k run um, on the Sunday before I started work here at UE. Yes. And, and it was and it was very, very rewarding. And what we did is we just um, took our time over it. We repeated weeks. If we only did two runs that week, it didn't matter. We just do a bit more or just stay where we were. Um, we were helping each other through life events and, and what was happening in terms of COVID and business closures and family illness and everything else. And and this kind of just running together kept us going really through it all. And uh, and it was just yeah, it was just a, an interesting time. Of doing it. The one thing I would say at the end though is I ran the 5K, but not in the 30 minutes. <laughs> I got to 3.5K in 30 minutes. I'm a very slow plodder. So don't expect yourself to get to 5K by the end of the training. Um, take that pressure off yourself. It's more about the running for 30 minutes. Kat, did you want to?
2: Yeah, Laura, I was just saying what an amazing relief it is just hearing you talk about that experience because. I feel so disheartened to have lost all the progress I made with Couch to 5K. And I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but I feel like my fitness is some sort of, last the length of a sparkler, basically. And the second I stop exercising, the sparkler's straight yeah. in the bucket. And so next time I go out, I feel like I'm yet again starting from zero. So I was thinking, you know, how am I even going to restart this? Can I even find the motivation? Um, and then, then listening to you describing the permission you gave yourself to just be like, well, might just do two runs this week. It's fine. Yeah. might just repeat that weekend. Cause when I, when I did it, I was really like, must do three runs, must move forward every week or death, which actually was a sort of unhelpful attitude. Yeah. It's, it's an attitude I have in my work life, you know, which helps me um, do the job I have to do, but it doesn't help my leisure life funnily enough. <laughs> so I really appreciate your description and um, and also to finding a buddy who could, you know, make that work. Did you want to respond to that?
3: Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, I, I, f- I feel for you because s- September t- came and I'm a module leader and I was teaching and I was doing my qualifications to teach and suddenly I was working six days a week so the runnings just went by the by. Um, so I'm restarting now and I've restarted by walking. Um, but I know that I can do it. I know I, it is achievable now and I will get back to that running feeling. And I'm looking forward to that feeling of that euphoria at the end. So the actual running is still pretty hard work.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But actually just the process, the process is actually the heart of it, isn't it? Um, yeah. So starting with walking, I need to say this to myself, get myself a post-it note on the laptop.
0: I have a feeling Sam wants to say something about the process
1: yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. It was, it was, it's all, I mean, <laughs> in another life, I used to uh, run and work in health and fitness gyms. So I used to do the, the, all the training stuff, and which is another bind that I have in them, as much it used to be kind of every day. And it was what I did. And now I have to find time elsewhere to do these things. But um, it is focusing on the process, you know, having worked with people you know, with their fitness goals, for instance, um, you know, it is, you know, okay. Yeah. You you might want to get there, but it's part, there's a journey to be had here and everybody's got a different journey. Um, everybody's, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's physiology is different. Yes. We all want to be able to run. You know, I I will never run a marathon. I know this, I'm six foot three and 16 stone. You don't get to do that (laughs) if you're that size and not then do yourself a mischief at the end of it. You know, it's just, I know that's physically not something I should be doing, but I do enjoy running. I enjoy, I think the key word here is movement. And I think Emma mentioned, you know, this whole, just moving, just physically moving, being active. Yeah. And I think in academia and, in, and certainly in, in the realms of uh, Emma and Laura, your, your work kind of uh, context, we are, we are active, but it's typically an intellectual or mental one. Yeah, and I think the, there's, a, there's a more kind of holistic Kind of uh, gain here, isn't there? I mean, I, and I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but when I certainly when I'm working out, uh, and just for you know, I, I'm doing this for the benefit of people in the room online. Who I'm talking to today. If I move out of the way, you'll see this contraption behind me. My other half, of my fortieth, bought me a rower, um, so I. I, I because when, when lockdown came, I couldn't get to the gym. I like free weights. So I used to do CrossFit, all of this kind of stuff. I don't get to do that at the house. You know, there isn't the space. I've got two small humans running around. You know, there's health and safety issues. Um, but the, you know, I can lock the door here and, and I can row for as long as I want um, now. And that's really been a game changer for me. So, but the, it's the process, but it's the it's the getting up and going out bit. You know, there's a commitment. There's a perseverance there's a, you know, the process being that, okay, I might go for a run. Uh, I mean, I did a similar thing, Laura, I took my, my 10 year old out for a run with me. Um, and I don't know whether, you know, teenage to 10 year old, but this, um, you know, Charlie is a typical 10 year old. Yeah. Doesn't fatigue, doesn't fatigue. There is no fatigue in children under the age of probably 13. Right. So He'll go and he'll go and he's turning round. He's running backwards as just as just as fast as I'm running forward. And he's chatting away to me. And I'm I'm trying to hold a conversation with my child, you know, engage him. But the, you know, it's the last thing I wanted to do. But I like the idea of that companionship and doing something together. But more importantly, it's just that commitment. It's that perseverance and it's the having a go and it's committing to not the act as such, but the process of doing something active. And I think that's it's something everybody can. Um, everybody can em- empathize with and engage with. I, I love that. Sorry, Lloyd, do you want to jump in there?
3: Yeah, just on the commitment front. And I was, um because I have a friend who runs marathons, my sister runs marathons, and I talked to them about how do you get out of the front door? And, and they had exactly the same issues getting out the front door and they run marathons. So I was thinking, oh, actually, maybe I'm setting myself up too high a, a, a step here, thinking that I want to go out the front door and just acknowledge I don't want to go out the front door. It's wet and it's cold. Um, so what I did was I changed my routine so that I got up in the morning drink of water, spoonful of honey and then off I um, went out the front door so that I didn't give myself the chance to sit on the couch or pick up angry birds or do anything else that I would normally do to get myself out the door and just hearing that kind of permission of it's okay to it not feel good and it just be hard work. Um, I did say foolishly to my sister that um, when I met her up the last week I said oh I'd really like to just get to the point where I could run with ease and that feeling some of that feeling in your body being, I have this strong memory I did martial arts and I and I loved that feeling of being able to move again and, and nothing be stiff in my body at the end of the run um and she just looked at me and went yeah it's not going to happen <laughs> it's I, I wish I could get to that point she said Oh, okay I've just got to accept that it is hard work and I just have to look at the benefits that I have afterwards which is that I can move without doing um you know without pain in my hips and my back and I can't get to the top of the hill with the kids on the walk without being out of breath.
0: Thanks Laura this is um well really interesting to me because of my my journey of trying to be fit and healthy and having these constant setbacks and like Kat saying coming back coming back back to to zero. Um, I wonder how that compares having one pursuit where you're a novice, how that compares to Emma's experience of being serious about having lots of little things that she does as part of her leisure and keeping that going. Emma, would you tell us a little bit about that?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that... The thing for me has been about learning to defend my leisure time. Um, like many people who are working at a university, it's um you know it, it's a job that I love doing and um and I also have a young family, so time is really kind of at a minimum. <laughs> um, And I've had to be really, really purposeful about carving spaces out of the day that can be mine and can be leisure. And so um, I had a similar experience to quite a few of you in that I had an injury a few years ago and um, that left me with uh, chronic pain. Um, so all of the things that I would have normally done to cope with stress things like running (laughs) um, were just not available to me at all Um, and then so that happened kind of before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit and um, for the first couple of weeks like everyone I was like oh my gosh what is going on you know how how are we going to get through this and then actually I kind of remembered oh, okay I've been through something like this before <laughs> I've been through not being able to leave the house very much what are the things I can do so the things I I settled on um were things like getting back into baking and as Sam was saying earlier uh it's about for me it's about the process it's that sensory experience and you know I, I I'm somebody who stopped watching bake off when it got too fancy when people were making things where i was just like i'm never going to be able to make that i was like no it's not for me anymore <laughs> i don't want to have that kind of perfectionist attitude to my baking i just want to do it because it's quite nice to stir a bowl of yummy smelling stuff <laughs> and to, you know it's a way to spend time um And it's also you get to eat it at the end of it. It's the perfect activity, as many people discovered during the first lockdown, I think, because there was a shortage of flour everywhere. Um, So, yeah, for me, it was things like, yeah, getting back into baking and not being perfectionist about it, trying to make it look really beautiful and amazing, um, but just enjoying the process of doing it. And, and having that be, OK, this is my leisure time now, rather than seeing it as like, oh, I've got to make bread and I must make bread every day in lockdown. You know, I think a lot of people went to that place with it. Kat, did you want to?
2: <laughs> yeah, I just I was so um, struck by the, your comments about the sensory experience, uh, you know, because I feel like there's something so that... <laughs> holds you in the present moment, doesn't it? The sensory experience. And so you're not, you know, you're not doing that thing where you're mulling over the past or you're planning for the future and all that mental doing. You can just focus on the here and now, and uh, you know, just the smell of the batter that you're describing and all of that. It's just kind of liberating and restful. And and I feel like, you know, you said, um, Emma, at the beginning of the podcast today, you were talking about you know just keeping the focus uh, moving on from a focus of kind of mastery and excellence and, and kind of coming back home you know to the idea of um taking leisure just you know for ourselves for our well-being yeah. um and that sensory thing
1: mm.
2: is part of that isn't it really because if we're aiming to push ourselves towards a certain kind of achievement yeah it's that future focused experience mm-hmm. isn't it yeah exactly and, uh, where we hold ourselves and our senses about what we're doing in our leisure. That is, I think, the b- significant part of what gives us a break, isn't it?
4: Absolutely. I think it's what we all need more of in our current culture, the way that we live our lives, definitely.
1: Sam? Yeah, frantically taking notes and trying to process what I want to say at the same time and failing miserably. Uh, I think the... I've spoken about this before on the podcast, I think several times, actually, in terms of the notion of... Um, it's, it's actually not in the serious leisure literature as such, although I, I, I've, I've written about it. But it's actually in the, the positive psychological uh, or positive psychology literature, um, particularly flow. Uh, and before Petia rolls her eyes, I'm not going to go into, into that. Um, <laughs> uh, talk about that all day. But um, this whole idea of uh, what and Mahiley talks about is uh, autotelicism. You know, aut- well, this is an autotelic experience for ourselves, and autotelic means self-goal. So the, the actual doing of the activity is all the motivation that we need whereas as Kat has quite rightly outlined uh, when we're working in our professional lives you know it's there's almost a yes there's an element of this is what I'm working on right now but there's all, the, all almost always that you know so what now what you know in terms of that that kind of future focus and <laughs> and I, I guess you could take my does the does the does this make the boat go faster analogy is future facing in the sense that yeah okay well is this going to help me move forward but it's it's, you know the boat like I say is ourselves but that autotelicism that self-goal that being present in whatever it is we're doing you know and giving ourselves permission to do that and I go back to you know obviously Emma Mm -hmm. and Laura have both kind of picked this out in in their descriptions of what what it is they've been doing but Kat you mentioned this about giving yourself permission to just have a read you know and and not feel like you should be reading something that's going to further your professional Capabilities to do X, Y, or Z. I do this all the time. You know, popular science. I'll go and into Warstones, for instance. I'll go and stand. You know, just so I I look like I know what I'm talking about, or I look smart. I'll go and stand in the smart thinking section. I'll go. Oh, I could probably use this and use that, and and and. But no, it's uh, actually I love sci-fi and I love that kind of you know that that genre and give myself permission to uh, to do these things. It's the goal of the activity is the doing of the activity itself, and I think that is such a hugely important message for people to hear.
2: I just wondered whether um, whether for you, Laura, that, that you can relate because, you know, with, with the running, I, certainly when I was doing Couch to 5K, I'd have to say the sensory experience of the actual running was probably not high up there on the enjoyment with the rain in my face and the <laughs> waiting for the breathing to settle down. I'd take the baking any time over that. Um, but there is still definitely this wellbeing benefit, isn't there? I wondered what that's like for you, whether you could d- describe it for us a little bit.
3: Well, I um, realized that I couldn't run with music. So I run just with nature and I have a set routine that I run as well and the set path every time because I like the predictability of it and I like to watch nature and I have this route that takes me up a hill and down this wooded lane so I could see the transport of time and just engage in the natural sounds and the natural world which I found much more calming to my brain Um, but I have a very active brain so I would actually be going through any stress that was all thoughts or thought, sort of thinking through problem solving whilst I ran um, and a way of kind of um, engaging that executive functioning. They say that that's supposed to enhance the health, well-being feelings, don't they? engaging the executive function as you're doing the running. Um, and I found it very clarifying in my thinking and removed a lot of the stress. So I find that really helpful
2: and was that did you set that intention Laura with the running or did you find no. that
3: that's just what happened while that's you were doing what it? happened it's because because I realized that um I couldn't stand listening to the music it was just too intense and it, and it tried to make me run it faster and I'm a plodder in fact I once forgot to set my um Strava app and my Fitbit thought I'd gone for a walk <laughs> So that's how slow I am. I'm very methodical and ploddy. And I'd like to say I was this likely (laughs) live athlete running around, but I'm not. I'm just this red blob that arrives home. But when I come home, I feel... I feel much lighter, less stressed. I'm just more able to move. I have incorporated Pilates moves into the end of it, so that that's the stretches I do. So that's helped with my health and well-being, and I just feel, yeah, um, and and I sleep better and my hormones are better and just everything's better so I know there's a big long list a heavy list of why I should go out and I'm still trying to weigh that up against the going out and starting running again um and I will do it and you'll have to keep me (laughs) some ownership around it but I will will get out there because it is it is a positive experience in the end Sam
1: yeah and I I I, lo- I just love the honesty here, you know, in terms of this is exactly how everybody else is feeling, I think. So working in gyms, January was the time, right? So we typically see a bit of an uptick in, mm. you know, members this time of year as people come, you know, guilt-ridden post-Christmas and, and want to, you know, lose some weight. Um, but we'd always, there's always, there's a high level of, of attrition, right? So the, typically, it's funny, you gave a similar kind of time frame. So you, you were talking kind of six weeks in, you know, you were still kind of on the fence as to whether this was going to work for you. But actually, six to eight weeks is where your body starts to react positively to the exercise. And bearing in mind, you know, if you've gone from being relatively inactive to being active, you know, there's there's a physiological shift, not just a psychological shift, but also a physiological shift that needs to happen. Um, the psychological shift, of course, is probably the most important one because it's the one that gets you out the door and, you know, gets you out of bed and put, kicks you out the door again the next day. Um but this this whole kind of bodily experience, I think, is something crucial. You know, that you know, you talk about the sensory, it's bodily, isn't it? You know, we li- we live, you there's no there's no choice if I'm lifting heavy weights. I can't really be thinking about much else other than, you know, lifting that particular weight. If you're going out running you've been running for you know 20 or 30 minutes well you're going to have to run for another 20 30 minutes to get home so there's no other option really for you you're in you're in the moment It's that bodily experience uh, and i think that's something that is again we need to emphasize it's been emphasized we need to you know and you started you all been describing this in terms of where i start to i gradually start to value that experience for what it provides and it provides slightly different things i'm with you in terms of if i'm really struggling uh, mentally that day, I'll have a workout. I'll go for a run. I'll do something that mo- involves physical movement because typically that, that for me, recalibrates things. Or, you know, I'll go out. And I'll not necessarily intentionally think about what I'm working on, but what will happen is I come back and, you know, my brain's been cleared. It's like sieving through all the all the rubbish. And you come back and go, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's it. That's the issue. Or actually, no, it wasn't that much of an issue in the end you know, and, and, and that'll be fine. But just to mention that, you know, what we're talking about here really is this, ho- is what's in the serious leisure perspective or the realms of the serious leisure perspective is a hobbyist pursuit, you know, it's a sport or game-like involvement in our leisure time. And, and, you know, there are no rules really in hobbyist pursuits um, of this nature. Rules are largely self-determined. Although we might be looking to others, i.e., you know, the serious runners. Um, We've had some pretty serious runners on the podcast, uh, shall we say. Um, So I certainly wouldn't be putting myself in that category. Um, But, you know, the key distinction here is that it is about that, it's that non competitiveness, it's the completely self determined. And those rules are something that we kind of define for ourselves. You know, so yeah, just keep moving, Laura. Or, you know, it's about having those sensory experiences, Emma. You know, it's, it's those, those hobbyist pursuits give us those benefits. And they are, they are social and individual uh, in, in equal measure um, for, for both of you in terms of how you describe things. But one thing I wonder then is, you know, that hook, you've both talked about the doing of it, and the importance of doing of it, and then the continued doing of it. In the nature of it, so what's the what's the hook then for you so you've done it now and you've been doing it for a while these various kind of hobbyist pursuits well what's the hook what's what's bringing you back i mean we you know it's all it's kind of tacit in in what you've been what you've been outlining but um emma i wonder what, what is it that brings you back what is the hook that, that brings you back
4: yeah for me it's that sense of space and like claiming space for myself so in my job as a counsellor What I do all the time is I hold space for people and what they're bringing. That's what I do in my job. (laughs) Um, And for me, being serious about leisure is about claiming that time, claiming that space and having that kind of expansive opportunity where you can reflect. You can, you know, you don't really get into that kind of deep reflection on stuff if you're constantly trying to work out what's the problem. Yeah, and I think this is something I see a lot of the time for students as well. They sort of get into this mode where they feel like they have to be studying all day and all night and it's got to be all the time because otherwise it doesn't count. And actually what, you know, I think we all end up missing, this as a cultural thing. It's not just about students, Is in our society at the moment. we We end up being switched on all the time. So we have no time to switch off when actually that's really where a lot of the kind of creative problem solving stuff can happen um, and i have my own views about why particularly in education i think we've gone
3: down a, a long road of that i think um, for me sam it was the um it's the the flow at the as I went out post-couch to 5K and started just to run and we started to try to extend to actually make it to 5K, which I finally did and swore I'd never do again. Um, But it was that that kind of, that feeling of getting flow and getting lost in the movement and just running would happen for the middle 10 minutes of my 30 minute run. So um, the first 10 minutes was just getting my lungs to relax and getting into the into the pace. And then 10 minutes, I would just be running and enjoying it and enjoying that sensation. And then the last 10 minutes was getting out of running out of steam and just keeping going and trying to extend getting up that hill or whatever it is. Um, So that I, I strongly remember that feeling and really enjoying it and having that sense of flow and being able to not think about anything else, Emma, and just that feeling of of just going with it, um, which is what's attracting me and making me think I will go through the pain of of restarting and getting mm. back into it. And hopefully build a routine so that next September, when it all goes mad again, I can then keep doing it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think what's really key here is is making it part of a routine it's a habit you know be, keep, you know being or seeking out um, routines that are, to, uh, are at service of our personal health and well-being is a habitual you know and it goes the other way you know so the, this is an intentional act but you know if we're mindlessly going about our day it also works the opposite doesn't it you know in terms of what it be, the habitual you know, non-activity or disengagement, you know, that's the easier option, isn't it? It's, oh, well, I'll just, just, you know, I'll tap out. I'll I'll not do this today. I'll do it tomorrow or whatever. Um, But, you know, it is still a process. It's a process, and you've talked about there, kind of literally, you know, a literal process of, okay, to find the enjoyment in the activity. Largely, it's kind of retrospective enjoyment, right, most of the time. When you do anything kind of physically active of this nature, Um, you know, there's, there's a, it's kind of retrospect, it's after the fact you look back and you go, actually, and actually physiologically that will you know, your body's flooded with endorphins and everything else. So you've got that kind of natural high from that, but it's, you're looking back and go, actually, I did that, you know, that kind of vindication of the effort of the initial commitment to leave the front door and you go, okay, I did that. I can do that again. Um, and actually I feel really good. I want this feeling again. And this is, this is, you know, that kind of repetition of habit you know, and then you get to a point where you go, OK, well, I feel the absence of this now, having found a habit which I feel kind of personally connected to and he's making me feel good about myself. And I think that's something that we we don't really spend enough time thinking about. We're certainly not taught or, or educated to this in terms of, you know, that balance between, OK, yeah, work's important. You know, we need to do work. You need to try and find enjoyment in your work. But does it define you, you know, or... or you know, there's a maintenance side of this in terms of, you know, but what are you maintaining for? Are you maintaining to work more? Or is it genuinely something you find fulfilling in and of itself? And I think it's the latter in both cases. Would you agree with that? I'm sure.
3: I would agree with that, and I also found, um, for me as well, it was the pride I had in my daughter getting there before me and completing the F- Couch to 5K, and the fact that she's using it as her stress management whilst doing her GCSEs. So it just like she went back to school on Tuesday and was out running <laughs> Tuesday night, and it was just like, and she's had to go back to week two of Couch to 5K because she's not done it for a few weeks, and and it was hard work. But then she went out for a second run, and that was easy because she's 15, and they just bounce. Um, Um, but it was uh, it was you know that kind of just if you can if you model it then others around you then start to do it as well and it's important I think as parents we want to do that for our kids don't we.
4: I think that brings me back to to why I'd said to Petia before um, you know when I met her before the recording that idea of practicing what I preach (laughs) Um, you know if I can't take care of myself then how on earth am I going to help my clients to to do that when they're going through a difficult and stressful time um yeah and and you know the baking is one of those things the one of the areas where I found flow um was in coloring in and it you know it can sound really simple and really basic but actually it was really really great way for me to get into that sense of flow and there wasn't a kind of building towards like a big project but you know I've got a colouring in book and that's fine if it takes me another three years to finish it I'm cool with that um funny you should mention colouring
0: Emma um a friend of mine gave me a cocktail coloring book just as first lockdown started and it's taken me two years, but I did complete it a couple of uh, weeks ago and I was so proud of that. I th- I believe I sent a, a video of, to Kat with all my <laughs> cocktail coloring and I think the typical question was, oh, when am I going to actually try all the cocktails on the, on the coloring book? Um,
2: cat. <laughs> no, it was fun. It was fantastic. I loved, I loved um, uh, watching the video of your completed colouring book. Well, one, cause I love cocktails, but actually the real thing was, um, was this, the seeing as a physical object, the amount of time that you'd offered to yourself to do this activity. And that was actually what really moved me, even though obviously you no know, margaritas would be second on the list.
0: Um, um, well that is funny but I was even multitasking doing that because I would listen to my audiobooks and I can't just listen to my audiobooks and not do anything and I would, was doing colouring and the interesting thing uh, listening to both Emma and Laura's stories about the physicality and the switching off, I've been over the last couple of years, kind of almost over COVID, I've been taking adult swimming lessons I could swim, but I just had no technique, so I'll just paddle and I've been learning how how to do that. And the thing that I find both most enjoyable, but also completely almost panic attack challenging has been being left alone with my thoughts while swimming, because the swimming is great for that. You're there in the water in the moment, but you're not, your brain, your eyes, your ears are not stimulated in a different way. Um, So at the end of a swimming practice, that's the bit that I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed that kind of mindfulness or mindlessness. But at the beginning of each swimming session, I I have near panic attacks in my first couple of, of, um, of, um, of lengths about just kind of getting my brain to be in the moment and not panic about what is my brain going to do with that moment <laughs> if I'm not distracted in different ways? And I really think it's, it's the, the kind of that overstimulation um, mm. that, that we're currently experiencing in, in the modern age of, of technology. So it's been really interesting to kind of listen to you and reflect on both aspects of the physicality and learning and the fitness, as well as, as switching off. Uh, Sam?
1: Yeah, I, yeah, that's a really, really nice example there, the swimming. I was thinking about this, and then you, then you kind of alluded to it in the, in the last part of what you were just describing there in terms of what, what we tend to look for is that kind of return on investment, right? So you, you're talking about um, you know, what I'm using that moment for. Yeah, so that return on investment. And, two, and so often when we're in, in the world of work, okay, I have X number of hours in the day to do work. What I need to do is this. That's my return on investment. It's easy to quantify. It's easy to measure. But also we're accountable to that work. And therein lies the pressure and the tension, right? And anxiety and all of the other baggage. But actually, when you're doing something like swimming or baking or running or whatever, you know, the return on investment is quite different. And and I think that's the, or actually, the return on investment doesn't really come into it as, a, as an economic kind of thing. And it's in the same way as we would uh, with our professional lives. And I think, again, that's a key distinction is when we're you know, that coming back to that notion of kind of autotelicism, the doing of the activity is the motivation, the goal in and of itself. You know, you're swimming, you're there, the intentional effort and action is doing that. Yes, it frees up your brain to do other things. And I think that again is a dis and what and that this is the key thing for me. In everything that I'm hearing is it's, it's a discipline, there's a discipline to all of this, you know, and you, you can't. And um, I think it was Emma kind of turning things on or turning things off. Uh, it's, yeah, it's uh, absolutely, but it's, it's not a light switch job, is it? You know, you don't go right. Okay. And now the lights, I'm, I'm turn, there's a light switch here. I'm just turning it on and off. Um, am you know, I'm now at my leisure typically doesn't happen. Yeah. Look at, uh, listen to Laura's description of, I'm only really in the running after about 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. It gives me, it, it, I require there's a transition. Yeah. Literal and physical transition in most cases and i think that giving ourselves time and i just wanted as well just to kind of draw out something else that i, uh, I think it was emma said but it's come up again tacitly in everything we've been talking about is and i like the phraseology used in terms of claiming space for you know we've talked in the past on previous podcasts around reclaiming space you know that reclaiming of okay it's reclaiming time and space to do the things exactly right yet yeah, in terms of liminal you know particularly in that liminal space, is, um uh, of of the pandemic you know it's that gray area actually it's given ourselves a bit more discretion than we think we do actually we are the masters of our own kind of timetable particularly when we're working remotely we've got things we need to do yes by certain times but typically as long as we're getting those things done so that i think that's that's another key kind of point i wanted to draw out here was all of this is an intentional uh, intentional act it also requires space space in terms of time but also very often a physical space, and actually giving yourself permission to enter and claim that space for the for the purposes of religion, is a big part of this. cat
2: yeah, that's right. I, I completely agree, and I think, and I, I think the challenge is, and really the heart of this podcast is about trying to help all of us uh, have to, to be stronger in that boundary making, to be stronger in that space claiming, you know, to feel justified in doing it, rather than to feel guilty or awkward about it or to lose sight of why we're trying to do those things and why they're important you know and uh, what the that that losing of the liminal space in the pandemic for me was about not having differentiated geography you know for work and home because it all just smooshed together and so whilst like Sam says ideally that should mean that when I've done some work I might then you know go and play the piano for 20 minutes for a break because I'm working in the same space as it but what a shock that isn't what happened what happened was at my end of my working day I'd just carry on working because I was still in my workspace <laughs> that's actually what happens um, and that and the commute you know that perfect sort of liminal zone where you transition out of work that, that, that went away you know um, so it takes quite a strong psychological position I think uh, to do as Sam has outlined, to say right you know that that sense of intention that discipline that doesn't come easy and so what I'm hoping really is just hearing from you both today that, that that's just so helpful to try and Give us that mental strength, that commitment, that freedom and choice, and permission to say, right, this is this is the space I'm making for myself, and it's justified, and I'm going to continue doing it. And so, Laura, the big challenge, you know, for for you from what you've said, which I'm going to be joining in with, is how do we do that then, you know, in September and October when it's all kicking off, still holding that space, you know, on the basis that we're doing it just because. Uh, It helps us. Um, It makes life enjoyable and worthwhile, helps us, uh, makes the boat go faster, but not because it's more of not because we're more efficient, you know, but but just how Sam qualified that making the boat go faster for our well-being. That's what's the boat going faster. I probably have to, for myself, I might change that phrase to make the boat run better. Because I think if I use the word faster, I can see myself psychologically going, that should mean I'm more efficient. That should mean that I'm doing more. That should mean that my personal growth is like on a rocket. No. So I'm going to switch the language to boat running better and picture it as like tranquil and beautiful and think, is this making the boat like that? Um, and to defend the spaces that lead to that. Uh, Petty, I imagine you want to wrap us up.
0: Yes, thanks, Kat. Um. I guess our challenge today would be to imagine uh, what our boats look like (laughs) and what our boats want to be doing um, (laughs) to to, to stretch that metaphor even further. Um, I'm just so grateful to um, all all of your contributions today to Emma's and Laura's stories and to um, Kat and Sam's insights. I hope our listeners enjoyed our conversation um, and I hope you found some solace in our stories uh, and also a little bit of inspiration if that's what you needed and possibly a bit of recalibration about how we should be um, working living uh, and enjoying our leisure time i hope you like subscribe to this podcast and i hope you come and listen to us again and finally, I just want to thank Helga, who's been in the background, expertly recording this episode and looking uh, at our technology needs for, for today's recording. Until next time, when we keep talking about leisure, work and well-being. Goodbye, everyone.